I think sometimes with bloggers and influencers who do preach about fat positivity and body positivity we're expected to live up to this always confident you know you go girl sort of ideal but sometimes you know we are human too we do feel down sometimes and it's important to acknowledge those feelings and it's important to realize that those feelings are valid it gets better because it has to get better My name is Sophie Haig. That was way too optimistic for uh, the intro of this podcast. If you know me just a tiny bit, you know I'm not a hello kind of guy. Um, so I'm so hello. My name is Sophie Hagen, and you're listening to the Made of Human podcast. Um, in short, Mopad. It's a podcast in which I speak to people about life. Initially, I tried to figure out how to do life, and I wanted to speak to people about that. Then I realized no one knows. No one has the slightest idea what they're doing. So now we just chat about that and try and feel a bit more human together to try and figure out you know try and realize that we're not we're not completely alone and this week I'm speaking to Stephanie Yeboah and she's brilliant of course she's brilliant they're all brilliant but oh my god also one of the most beautiful people I've ever met I'll let you listen to our chat in just a tiny bit first um, I'm gonna go on tour and Here's the thing, I want you to buy the tickets. Now, that's why I'm telling you this. That's why I'm using up your precious time to to spew this kind of uh, sales pitch into your ears because I love meeting you and I love having you come to see my shows. This is a, an excellent... We, we have a good thing going on. I give you some podcasting, I give you some shows, you give me some uh, money for the tickets. It's brilliant. <laughs> How is this not the best? So, uh, I'm sorry I'm being silly now, but... Uh, this autumn, I will be touring, and I will be touring in Peterborough, is that how you say it? Winchester, Liverpool, Fareham, Coventry, Swindon, Leeds, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Norwich, Kendall, Milton Keynes, Bath, Aldershot, Maidenhead, Newcastle, Newport, Leicester, Manchester, Oxford, Bristol, Hull, Bromsgrove, 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 mm. Stockton, Cambridge, Colchester, New Milton, Reading, Whitehaven. And I think I've sold three tickets in Whitehaven. So can you, people in Whitehaven, can you like buy the tickets? Thank you. <laughs> Aberystwyth, Northampton and Canterbury. Uh, yeah, it's going well. Like I know there are a few shows already sold out. So that means an awful lot. The show in Whitehaven is not sold out. Just want to make that very clear. <laughs> and then I am uh, taking the show to Denmark in uh, next year, in 2018. I'm doing it in Copenhagen, Esbjerg, Odense, Aalborg and what was the last one? Aarhus. <laughs> Aarhus, Unze, Esbjerg, Copenhagen. What, what am I missing out now? Holy shit, how's this? Wait. You know what? You know, check my website. I'm just going to say that. Check my website. <laughs> uh, I'll uh, premiere the show in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival from the 2nd to the 28th of August. Every single day, I will be at the Bethlehem Theatre at 2 p.m. And I can't wait to see you all there. Now, on my tour, the shows will be, uh, all the toilets will be gender neutral. Uh, and if you have a problem with that, go fuck yourself. And... Um, uh, all the venues will have disabled access and they'll all be anxiety safe, meaning that you can email me if you have some kind of anxiety in regards to going to a gig. Now, there are details about all of this on sophiehagen.com where you can also get the tickets, sign up for my newsletter, uh, get all the hot goss. Does that mean hot gossip? I hope so. I hope. I hope so. And uh, so, yeah, go through that. You can find out where I'm going next now. Before I let you listen to the episode, we shall do this week's Acts of Disobedience. This wonderful thing where my listeners email me about their what, what they've done, like wh- how they've been disobedient, and I fucking love it. Uh, you can do that on madeofhumanpodcast.com. But this week's listener is called Alice, and this is what she wrote. I was running through one of my favorite parks, and as I reached the end, there were three guys stood by the water. One of them shouted to me, Hey, you! as I passed, and when I ignored him, he stepped into my path and put his arm and put his arm around my waist to physically stop me whilst attempting to kiss my cheek. I shouted into his face very loudly, Get your hands off me, please. I have no idea why I was being so polite about it. He recoiled pretty quickly as I ran away, feeling shaken and suddenly unsafe in broad daylight in a busy park in a city I love. I have no idea why he did that. I had no idea... I have no idea what would have happened if I hadn't shouted so loudly. I have no idea why men think it's acceptable to invade your personal space with no 
indication of consent. I want other men to call each other out when their friends are being unacceptable. I want women to feel safe doing things they love without feeling terrified every time she passes a group of men. I wasn't going to post anything about this, and then I realized that in not talking about it, I'm ignoring that there is a problem here. This is not an isolated event. Things like this happen to women every single day. I'm fed up of women being told to walk in groups, hold their keys in their hand to protect themselves when these things happen. Shouldn't we be looking at why this is happening in the first place? It should be men that are held to account. What the hell can we do about it? You can submit your act of disobedience on madeofhumanpodcast.com where you can also buy a t-shirt. I'm whispering that because it feels really disgusting to pluck that at the end of like a really important rant. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Men are trash, but buy my t-shirt, which should be on a t-shirt to be fair. Can someone put that on a t-shirt? Men are trash, but buy my t-shirt? Please do. Uh, now, um, you'll listen to a very, very special episode with the absolutely incredible Stephanie Yeboah. Um, Sorry. Yes. So, my name is Stephanie Yeboah. I am a plus-size blogger and YouTuber um, based in London. And I write about fashion and fat positivity and... Um, diversity within plus size fashion scope and in media generally wow how did you get into that uh well i started my blog um coming up to gosh nine years ago wow yeah so i started were you um, one of the first then is that ignorant to say? I mean, because mm, nine years. I think I'm, 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 I might be a bit of a veteran. It's <laughs> like the, the the landscape of blogging has definitely changed since I started. When I started, there weren't really a lot of us around. Um, it was predominantly like beauty bloggers. Beauty blogging was the thing at the time. Um, so when I started, I did beauty blogging and um, primarily I was looking for makeup for darker skin tones because there wasn't all of the blogs that I'd seen you know brands weren't sort of reaching out to um, people of different ethnicities and stuff so I sort of focused on creating content um, for people who were darker Um, and then sort of 2013 2014 I went to America for a month just to get out of London basically and that was kind of where I discovered that I really wanted to give like plus size fashion a a chance like I've always loved fashion I've been a big big fan and I guess growing up I had issues to do with like self-esteem and confidence and things like that so I never sort of went out there and to, to show myself, like up until a few years ago, I'd never even put a, like a full length photo of myself online. Um, but it wasn't until I came back from America and I thought to myself, you know, I went out there, I, I was a completely different person. Everybody was amazing. The fashion was amazing. And I thought, yeah, I really want to start showing a bit more of myself online. Um, and then, yeah, that's when I started the whole fashion side to my blog. So it's been about maybe four five years now do you remember what it was in america like was there like a moment or a thing that happened or really say like the, when you realized mm. that this was a thing you wanted to uh it was the first time that i was able to actually be myself i think because um before i went uh my childhood and teenhood and things of that it was very much i was very i had like no confidence I didn't go out I didn't like to go out I sort of refused opportunities because of I guess how I looked and I was very self-conscious about how I looked and so going to New York for a month completely on my own it kind of gave me a chance to reinvent myself almost so like nobody knew who I was there so I could go out and be whoever I wanted to be and I sort of spent most of my time in Brooklyn and Williamsburg and things like that where it was like you know very creative and very you know loads of hipsters about and things like that and it was just it just opened my eyes to what I could potentially be like as well because there were loads of plus-size women there um, who were dressed you know amazingly and you know I would look at these women just and I would be like yeah that's that's what I want to be I want to be that confident so when I was in America I was like dressing outlandish I was wearing things that I wouldn't normally wear and I'd be getting compliments on the street and I was just like oh okay so this isn't actually bad so then I came back here and I was just like right I'm applying that same principle here like I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna wear a belly top and shorts and I'm not gonna give a fuck (laughs) I don't care did you have that when you talk about like teenhood and childhood and stuff because I one of the things that I remember the most about because you said the thing about not putting up photos 
I remember just thinking, oh no no, I'll I'll definitely put up photos when I've when I've lost some weight, you know, because then I can wear this thing and then I can because I feel like looking back the first like my entire teenhood like from I guess like 10 to 22 mm-hmm. was just waiting and it was just not really existing it was just oh one day I'll be thin and then I can do all these things that I want to do you're nodding is mm-hmm. that can you yeah definitely I can completely relate to that like I was exactly the same I would be like I'm not putting up any pictures until like I've lost like four stone or I'm not gonna you know start going out and partying mm. or I'm not gonna go to this rave until I look a certain way so like you said it's literally just existing like you're not living your life you're waiting for something that will or will not happen and that is not a good way to live your life at all it's all about recognizing what you have now and bringing that out and just like falling in love with yourself I think is the most important thing like my childhood and my teenhood were just I was bullied for most of my life and it was just horrible like it it was really really um it really did a lot in terms of eradicating my confidence and self-esteem so if I could like tell 13 14 year old me I'd just be like yeah you just need to try not to take what these people are saying on board like it's important to live your life like it's so easy to like deny yourself opportunities as well like if somebody invites you somewhere or something like that because you're so scared of what other people are going to say about how you look like you turn down those opportunities and I did a lot of that when I was younger like a lot so Mm. that's like one regret that I have yeah it's an interesting question that like what would you say to yourself as a 13 year old because what can you say to someone who's being bullied because I think I'm trying to think back so like when I was bullied that was when I was a bit younger but I mean what would work what would what would even work to tell someone you know because you can say oh it'll get better or Mm. they're not right or you know they're doing whatever they need to do because they're insecure but what do you how how would you even retrify that when it's happening that's the uh age-old question i think because i think by the time you're in a position where you're sort of being bullied and it's really affecting you it's just like what else can anybody say for you to 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 make you feel better and that's why i think i do what i do because i do get emails from from teenagers who have body confidence issues or they're going through bullying and things like that and I think it's so important to sort of see yourself represented as well Mm. Um, because when I was growing up I didn't have anybody that I could look up to like I didn't see anybody that looked like me in the media I didn't see anybody you know who had overcome adversity in terms of how they looked and are you know out here just living their best life I didn't have that so I just thought to myself oh okay well I'm just doomed to be, you know, depressed and, you know, big and alone for the rest of my life. And so that was the weight that I carried with me um, growing up. But now in this age where we've got bloggers and influencers and things are a little bit more diverse than back in the 90s, I think it's really important that we've got young girls now who can see themselves reflected Um, within the media and they can talk to you know people like us and you know find out our views um, and to know that yeah it does get better because I'm not only telling you this because it's something that people just say I've actually gone through it and I'm like a living testament to say you know this isn't going to last forever and you know you need to start implementing those building blocks of self-love and self-confidence and you know you will get there so I think a major difference now is the fact that we are here you know to try and help and just be somebody that um, girls could sort of look up to and yeah learn from I hope (laughs) yeah because you're not just because that whole you know waiting game that you're doing when you're like a fat teenager uh fat teenager and you're just like oh one day and you're being bullied and stuff because if you don't know so like so people like you you're kind of almost like hyper existing because you're living your life and you're looking great and you're wearing this uh this fashionable clothes and (laughs) and you could have done all of that without putting it on the internet but you're Mm. kind of like really implementing like no 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 I'm here and I exist Mm -hmm. so kind of really because because they see you exist and then they also see you put that out there and Mm. that is almost 
that's so much more powerful because mm. you saw people in the street and in America and you were like fuck mm. oh they're there that exists but there are these like 14 year olds who get to see you also put it online mm. and in your photos you look so confident oh thank and you and you look smashing <laughs> it's just like anyone listening who hasn't seen it just go on your Instagram and your blog and stuff and it's oh you're too kind like, oh no it's, it's so I can completely understand why you would get emails from from 14 and like people in their 20s and yeah <laughs> because it's so it's I do believe it's the right thing did you have any was there anyone you could uh, like ref, uh, see your reflection in or at all when you were a teenager um do you know what the only person that comes to mind is Missy Elliott and oh, yeah. she and she, you know by that standard she wasn't even like really really big but yeah. she was I guess in the industry big enough for people to sort of separate her and for her to be different from the norm mm. but she was this amazing multi-talented rapper who could like her thing was dancing like seeing somebody you know who is her size like dancing with her backup dance like I was so inspired by that and she was definitely somebody that I um I guess looked up to um but again it's a shame that there wasn't anybody else especially like in the UK as well because mm. I don't like remember back in the day when we would see music videos from artists and stuff it wouldn't reach the UK until like months and months later so you know it was always very delayed in terms of the images and the content that I would get because nearly everybody was like in America and everything was exclusive there and we didn't really have a lot of um we wouldn't be getting all of that content until months later but especially in the UK like one of the main reasons I do what I do is because there isn't anybody I feel that looks like me or that represents um specifically like black women as well within the UK like and ethnic minorities in terms of like plus size fashion um the media things like that it's there definitely needs to be more when it comes to diversity because I think that would be the defining that would be the thing that would definitely help especially young girls in terms of looking at somebody and seeing themselves represented um, it's definitely a thing that needs to be sort of corrected it's we definitely need to have more when it comes to diversity because especially in plus size um, fashion it's a community that is supposed to be about celebrating diversity and celebrating our differences and different body types. But then if you're not celebrating diversity racially, then what's the point? And, you know, it kind of seems to be going the way of in terms of the ideal look within plus size, um, within the plus size world, there's a certain look that I think a lot of people now feel like they have to look up to in order to feel sexy or in order to feel, you know, that they fit in within the acceptable fat standards. There's mm. a certain look and not a lot of people look like that. Yeah, it's, so, it's the flat stomach and the... Fat st uh, flat stomach and that? hourglass shape, oh, high cheekbones, yeah. um, normally a lot of the time white. Oh, um, yeah. Very, you know, very beautiful and you know that's just a minority of of women like you have yeah. to kind of represent the whole spectrum of plus size not just the ones that look acceptable or the ones that the media yeah choose to accept it has to be everyone or nothing at all yeah do you model as well no I don't I wish I could I really want to but no well I can say why not but I guess that's not up to you <laughs> yeah. well no, I would love to though yeah. that's like my next sort of thing that I really want I just love being in front of the camera now because before I hated it like like I said I didn't take full-length pictures until a few years ago but now I just love like getting in front of the camera and just serving these looks and these poses and I just be like I want to do this all the time <laughs> well you do kind of it's it's kind of a it's kind of modeling isn't it I guess yeah for my blog yeah, yeah. Just, uh, all of the photo shoots and stuff that I, I absolutely love like I love just being in front of the camera and just being confident and just showing that we can wear you know these things and look amazing in it and so yeah hopefully if there's like a modeling gig that comes along I am available oh absolutely <laughs> oh, please someone make that happen uh I um you said you after New York you uh you tried to or you like fell in love with yourself I know it's a tricky question but mm. how does one do that Oof. <laughs> it is 
difficult. Like it's taken me perhaps mm, 15 years to get to this point. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even know how to, it's very difficult because it's not a consistent thing. Like you're, there are gonna be days when you have ups and you're gonna have downs. But I think when I was in America, it was, I guess, seeing the reaction of, and and just to say like your self-worth shouldn't be shouldn't be based on what on how others see you mm. but I think at the time when I was in America and I was you know dressing very out there and wearing things that I wouldn't wear before and just seeing the reaction of other people like people saying oh my gosh you look amazing like that's not something I'd heard when I was in the UK I think people here are you know very as British people are just very sort of conservative keep mm. our head down you know in public public transport and stuff but in America everyone's a lot more flamboyant and people go up to others and just talk in the street and stuff which was a bit strange for me as a British person going around I'm just like you weirdo why are you talking to me <laughs> but I actually found it really comforting and so when I would have people come up to me saying that I looked really good it was like I would go back to the apartment and I would look at myself and I'd be like actually do look quite nice today and I think it's just little positive affirmations like that so um what I did for a while after coming back was I would um write little post-it notes just things that um positive things that happened for the day so not specifically things about me just any think positive that happened that day and I would write it on a post-it note and then I would put it in a mason jar and I did this for about three months and then what I did in the second month was I started writing positive things about me or things that I like about myself so I would go through my personality and different aspects of my personality that I like just to get the positivity flowing until I got onto my actual like physical being so then I would write um, things like oh I like my eyes today or I like my hair or I like my smile things like that and at the time you kind of think sometimes you do feel a bit silly you're just like <laughs> what am I doing like this is really dumb but then after about five months um, after a while I stopped doing it and then I forgot about it and then I found it as I was moving out and I read back through like three, four months worth of all of these post-it notes. And I was just like, wow, I actually do have quite a high opinion of myself when push, push comes to shove. So that really helped. And just positive affirmations in the mirror every day of just, you know, I de I'm deserving of love. I'm a human being that deserves all the things that everybody else does. And it was just a case of, realizing to myself that you know I need to stop apologizing for existing because I am a human being too I'm worthy of everything else that everyone else is worthy of and I shouldn't have to apologize for existing in the body that I do because it's not fair like I just want to live I just want to wear you know sleeveless tops and not feel like everybody's looking at my stretch marks and my arms and stuff I just want to be a normal person and then that's when it clocked to me that I actually well you are a normal person like I am and everybody else's opinion of you has nothing to do with how I see myself so I think once you start to once you sort of take into account that other people's opinions mean nothing that's when the the you start to realize that you know actually I can have a high opinion of myself and the only person's opinion that matters is me. And if I think I look good, then that's all that matters. Nobody else's opinion matters. And that's where it started, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think, I, I wonder if you can relate to this in some way because a thing happened because I think I've been through sort of the same journey. Part of what made me uh, fall in love with myself was realizing that all the negative voices about how I looked came from a system came from someone wanting to make money like a capitalist thing and it just it was almost like someone proving that it was all a lie and I was like oh shit mm. there's no objective reality mm. there's no objective uh like opinion of my body I'm not objectively ugly mm. I can someone might think so but I think I'm hot so now I'm hot but I had this experience very recently because I feel like I am quite body positive now but a friend of mine wrote a book uh, like years ago and I read it and one of the women in the book was uh, was was fat and I was immediately like a bit scared like oh you know mm. oh no what's this gonna be <laughs> oh, I'm gonna lose a friend now <laughs> but then he described in the book uh, like the main character having sex with this fat girl 
and he described the sex. And it was like positive, all positive. But one of the things that he described as being really sexy was her weight on him. Mm. And it was almost like something clicked in my head and I thought, oh, it's not just the looks. Mm. That, like, that's a physical sensation that might be nice. Because anything related to sex, I'd always been in my own head going, oh, how do I look like this? How do I look now? Do you yeah. think I'm attractive if I wear my dress? I hadn't even considered, and this might sound silly, I hadn't even considered how I felt. Mm-hmm. And that was just like a whole new level of body positivity for me. Like, oh, this, it's like, it's the, the, there are five senses. It's not yeah. just how I look. There's also smell and sound and touch. and So many different levels to it. Yeah. So many different levels. And I think that's part of the fun as well in terms of body positivity and fat positivity. There's always something new that you're going to mm. find out. I think we're living in a time now where, you know, it's a, it's a relatively new thing that we're going through in terms of this whole um, fat activism and, and body positivity thing. And, and you're always finding out new, you know, new facts or new new things to kind of make you feel like oh okay well you know I've been I've grown up thinking that this was this when actually it's not and I think it helps as well and that's part of the reason why I'm loving um you know this is why I do what I do because you know girls now have all of this information for them to take in as they're growing up and you know it's it's just so lovely that I get to be a part of it as well from somebody that didn't have anybody to look up to and didn't see myself represented and you know it was constantly drummed into our heads that being thin was the thing now that we I get to be a part of a community that is helping younger girls realize that they don't have to look a certain way in order to be sexy they don't have to look a certain way in order to you know find a boyfriend or a girlfriend like you don't have to look a certain way in order to to do anything because you are enough as a human being like and, and, and that's that's the most important message that, you know, I try to or try to help put out there, spread out there into the world is that you are enough. What do you do on your bad days? Like when you have a bad, I, I'm just assuming you have because I think that's quite natural. Isn't yeah. It? Sometimes having like, a oh, no, oh, not today. You kind of feel like everything like how it's almost like sometimes all the th- good thoughts mm. are just gone and you wake up going, oh, no. As in like a bad sort of. Confidence, confidence day, yeah, confidence self-esteem day. day. Do you know what? And it's it's funny because thankfully now, and I, I never thought I would ever be in a position to say this, but my low confidence slash self-esteem days are becoming less and less as the years go by. And you know, if you told me ten years ago that I would not be feeling, you know, down all the time, I would have like laughed in your face, like what? Like I'm down <laughs> every day, okay? <laughs> but now it's like it's not that bad anymore but when I on the occasions when I do have bad days I actually I take loads of selfies it really cheers me up like on the days when I'm feeling really really rubbish I'll put like loads of makeup on and then take selfies and then just put them on Instagram and then and I don't know why sometimes glamming myself up when I feel really low I know it's like such a cliche thing but it really helps like even if you've got nowhere to go just put makeup on (laughs) or like learn a new skill with makeup or something like that so um yeah I will sort of dress myself up put on something really random and then just go out and you know there's the phrase fake it till you make it I know it's again very cliche but sometimes it really does help um even if you're feeling really rubbish um so yeah I try not to dwell in the negative feelings too much because I know how I can get like I'm I have depression so it's very diff it's very easy for me to delve like bottom right into the bottom and then start having all these other feelings attached to it and I just try not to go there as much as possible so yeah there will be days when I feel like oh, my skin looks really rubbish or I'm just so fat and I don't like, you know, how this outfit looks on me. And it's it's definitely a valid feeling. I think sometimes with 
bloggers and influencers who do preach about fat positivity and body positivity were expected to live up to this always confident you know you go girl sort of ideal but sometimes you know we are human too we do feel down sometimes and it's important to acknowledge those feelings and it's important to realize that those feelings are valid and it's not about what you're going through it's about how you deal with those emotions as long as it comes from a positive place so with me putting makeup on or just putting a dress on or something that makes me feel good it's good it's a good way to go um again you know crying things like that writing it's all a good thing crying I think is a really good um outlets as you well really feel good, kind of. yeah you can feel a lot better afterwards also writing stuff down um my thing at the moment is <laughs> I tend to just write like the most emotional things possible. So I'll go onto my Tumblr and I'll just write these soliloquies and I'll write these <laughs> poems about how depressing my life is and stuff. And then I'll post it. And then like 20 minutes later, I'll read it and then I'll delete it. And then I feel better. Because oh. I've been able to get those feelings yeah. out. And then I read it and I think to myself, well, that's not true because I'm awesome. So why did I write that? And then I delete it and then I feel better. So yeah, definitely writing thoughts down and then just doing little things to make you feel better that day or that week. So self-care is definitely a huge thing that I think a lot of people should sort of incorporate into their everyday routine as mm. well. And eating. Eating is great. <laughs> I always eat food. I always eat more when I'm depressed. Who <laughs> doesn't? Feels doesn't. good. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Tell me about the depression. You said you have a depression. You've, I know you've spoken mm. a bit about it in your blog. Mm. How's it, where are you at at the moment with your depression? Um, at the moment, I'm still sort of deep within the throes of it. Um, I think I'm like a function depressive, so I can sort of function reasonably well in everyday life. Um, but it's something that I was diagnosed with when I was 14, when I was getting bullied in school and I was sort of getting physically abused and things like that by boys in school. Um, and... It's only recently that it has sort of come back. Sort of the first four or five months of this of this year have been quite bad for me, um, just personally. And so I'm sort of doing everything that I can to put it under control and to, um, I guess, get a rein on it. And I do tend to talk about it a lot on sort of on my YouTube channel and also on um, Twitter and things like that. Because I think it's important for mental health to be discussed as much as possible um, because there are people that go through it on an everyday basis and they feel like they can't talk about it to their parents, um, especially as somebody who is black, who is African as well. The 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 idea of being depressed or having a mental illness is not spoken about at all because either a they don't believe in depression and they just think that you're just you know low and it, you'll get over it or b they'll just tell you to go to church and pray it out and that's why a lot of people especially a lot of black people don't like to talk about depression because it's like if you start talking about it people think oh look at this crazy person like you're weird you're crazy you're what are your family gonna think But that's not the case. So I talk about it a lot um, as somebody who is, you know, black. You know, I'm a Christian. And while it's great to pray and it's comforting and stuff, sometimes you kind of need to go that extra mile and get professional help as well. Um, so that's something that I'm sort of currently trying to do. And yeah, at the moment, it's it's fine. I'm sort of coping with it. And, you know, I'm, I have like my antidepressants and things like that as well. But yeah, we'll just... See, I suppose, yeah. What kind of Every reactions day. do you then get from from the black community or your family? Do you know what? It's so far, it's been really, really positive. Like I've I've had so many sort of um, DMs from other black influencers in London, um, and then other um, women as well who are in university and who may be struggling with their course and also feelings of feeling inadequate and low and things and it's the the reactions has been have it's been really really positive because i know sometimes speaking about depression and like the lower parts of your life sometimes people don't want to do that as much because they don't want to i guess bring their timeline down or things like that but then when i do get messages from people saying you know thank you for talking about this because i go through it too and i just didn't know how to you know speak to my parents or i didn't know how to speak to 
my friends about it, it makes me want to do it more um, because a lot of these a lot of these guys they don't have anybody to speak to they can't speak to their friends because they feel like they will be judged they can't speak to their parents because they feel like they're just going to be ignored so then they send me messages on you know on twitter and on youtube as well i'll get like long paragraphs from people who just tell me their stories and then i'll just spend all day sort of going back and forth with them and giving them tips and trying to be motivational so it's so nice to be that person that somebody feels they can come and talk to me about um because again I wish I had that when I was younger so it's nice to sort of be there for another person who is in need and that's why I do what I do and it's just really it's really heartwarming to know that you know we're now in a society where we're starting to open up more about you know taboo subjects and and things like that and so I always you know I always try and be as real as possible on my social media um I talk about the highs and I talk about the lows a lot and I think it's important in terms of just trying to connect with your audience and just being as real as possible because with influencers not everything is you know jazz hands and happy and you know positive all the time we also have our dark moments as well and so I just try and cover all aspects of my life within reason <laughs> this makes me so excited to ask this question mm. so I asked this um I recently started asking this to everyone but I'm so excited about your answer to this so <clears throat> imagine this is like a bit in the future mm -hmm. and uh there's like an evil dictator who's taken over England right mm -hmm. so no one can leave England there's military in the streets mm -hmm. uh, we know this guy is like a really bad he's like right wing he's killing a bunch of people so in that situation there are kind of three things you can do you can either you know join him be mm -hmm. part of his army or whatever a supporter uh you can be neutral mm -hmm. stick to yourself keep it on the down low not make any mess Or you can be part of the resistance. Mm -hmm. Where would you be? I'll definitely put, be part of the resistance. Definitely. I yeah, I'm not so. I assume. I hope so. Taking that <laughs> shit lying down. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. No, no. That's you know. I think you kind of have to stand by what is right. And I just think if you were to join them, it would just be so draining. Like you'd have to be. Yeah, I just don't think I could. I just don't think I could do that. Definitely the resistance. I have to be on the side of good. And if it means, you know, losing my life or, you know, ending up in prison, then at least I can die knowing that I've done some good in the world. Do you know what I mean? And well, I can be a bit of a badass and like kill like. Well, that's what I was about to and, say because within yeah. the resistance, there are loads of different. Like you could be like a foot soldier, or you could be like leading a small mm. fragment of a mm. of like a resistance army, or you could be part of the admin group, or you could be a spy. Like, where do you think you would? I mean, I know I've given this way too much Ooh. thought in what's normal, but I just you know you can choose your own role. I'd be like a spy slash femme fatale. <laughs> I think I'd be like yeah I think I'd <laughs> so bad I think I'd be one of those girls I'd just be like trying to like worm my way into the opposition chatting them up you know giving them the eyes doing what I have to do in order to get the information basically <laughs> I'm not ashamed I said it yeah <laughs> doing what I need to do you know killing two birds at one time <laughs> and then you know while they're asleep just take the information and pass it on Oh, that's, I feel like that would be yeah. my ideal job. Well, you know? you're hired. You're absolutely hired. <laughs> we need people like you in the resistance. <laughs> people who are willing to whore themselves out for information. That's me. I want that job. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Have you always been... What's the word? Is it resilient? Is that the word? Oh, like a bit of like a fighter or, you know? Uh, yeah, I've had to be... Um, I mean, there have been so many times growing up when um, I was just so... So when I was growing up, I was very... Um, I was very much a loner. I was very meek. I didn't really speak to a lot of people. I didn't really have the social skills to make friends because I was getting bullied. I just separated myself from everybody. And um, there were so many times as well dealing with that depression when I would have really like terrible thoughts of, you know, ending my life and things like that. There have been so many occasions when I've, you know, been to that limit. And it just got to a point where I just needed my life to change. And... 
I can't allow myself to be in a position where I can take things lying down again. So I feel like I've gone through all of that with bullying, with feeling down, with depression, low self-esteem. That's not going to be in vain. So I'm going to, you know, in my 20s, I'm going to be this or try and be this strong, resilient person because I've been at the bottom of the bottom and, you know even though I had dark and morbid thoughts, I didn't go through with them. I, I'm still here. So I'm going to make my time here count. And yes, I do get, you know, down moments and stuff, but I always have to think, you know, I've been through worse and I've come out the other side. So this, you know, very popular phrase, but this too will pass. And that's how I have to keep thinking. I, you know, I, yeah, I do get, um, comments from people who say that I am strong although I don't feel strong a lot of the time I think a lot of it is just me putting on an act or might be like a defense mechanism but I don't know maybe I am I don't know I actually don't know I think we have these ideas in our heads of what strong looks like Mm. you know because sometimes strong is being weak you know Mm -hmm. sometimes strong is acknowledging your weaknesses and you know, being brave enough, I hate the word brave, to put them out there and saying, this is what how I feel right now. Mm. Because, I mean, you're obviously strong. I mean, I've spoken to people who have gone through so much less than you've gone through who would, who said they would join the the, the bad guys, you know? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, think, I think you're definitely strong. Um, but it's the same with, like, introversion. You know, if, if someone says they're an introvert, people assume they're also, uh, you know, they have no confidence mm. and they're also very shy. And mm. Well, that's not necessarily the case. You can be an introvert, but an outgoing introvert. Yeah. So I think we just need to look at these terms differently because yeah. I think you're strong. Definitely. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I... Yeah, I suppose. I mean, there are times when I kind of have to say to myself, look, I'm not going to let this get me down because I've got photos to take and I've got photo shoots to slay. So, you know, not today, Satan, not today. Maybe another day, but not today. But I try, I I try. I sometimes think that I'm, I have to be strong for other people as well, which is a interesting thing that I only really thought about recently. Which people? So like my family... Because um, I've always been that person in my family where anything goes wrong, I'm the one that's reassuring and, you know, this is going to be all right, that is going to be all right. A lot of people tend to come to me with their problems. So I've always been that person that people, I guess, can talk to and depend on. So it's a natural thing in me where I feel like I have to be strong for other people and not myself. But I'm kind of tr- recognising now that it's OK sometimes to just be vulnerable and I think I've done that a lot, especially within the, this past year on Twitter and things like that. Being so public about my vulnerability, I think is, it's it's a different feeling, but I do feel a certain amount of strength from that as well, I think. Yeah, I think, because I don't feel like I'm pretending. I don't feel like I'm putting up an act, so to speak. It's just, it is quite invigorating sometimes to just sort of lay your cards on the table and be like okay so I'm this but then I'm also you know I also have depression and I also have this so you know that's just me take it or leave it almost what are you like in relationships then how how, what's your relationship with love and and romance (laughs) at the moment (laughs) at the moment I mean So I am in a period of thought where I am trying to be very, uh, I'm trying to build up walls around my heart, myself. Um, And that's the main reason why I'm sort of in a, my current, I guess, depressive state. I've just sort of come out of a relationship. And so it's still quite fresh. Mm. Um, I think I'm quite awesome in relationships. I'm very giving um but at this present moment in time I'm just I guess trying to do me and I have noticed that I can be quite what's the word yeah I think just like really given really over the top and so I'm trying to and I know it's like the the worst possible thing to do but I think it's just 
a reaction to the heartbreak is that mm. I just want to I don't want anybody else to sort of penetrate mm. my heart and you know other things <laughs> and, and I just and I just like I think I just need to rebuild before I can yeah, open up again to other people how, so how recent was it uh so March oh yeah that's recent yeah so it's still a work oh, in progress fuck. it's still excruciatingly painful um but was it out of the blue very yeah very out of the blue yeah very out of the blue that was um yeah it's it's been quite devastating because you kind of go into a relationship thinking that this is the person that you're gonna one day marry and and then all of a sudden they're just like no I don't want it anymore and it's just you know it kind of still feels like it happened yesterday Mm. so it's one of those things where I kind of have to take it a day at a time yeah really I really have to take it a day at a time yeah and then it is difficult because you can't like any little thing can be you know like your delivery uh delivery guy it's like takes the wrong turn and you're like oh they're all the same yeah yeah exactly (laughs) they're all leaving you're going in the wrong direction where are you going (laughs) yeah but it's yeah it's definitely a thing I mean I'm I'm such a big fan of love and relationships and yeah so for that to happen it was very heartbreaking for me and yeah I'm just trying to get through it day by day really it's you know it's one of those things where you kind of think oh should I contact them should I contact them and oh oh my gosh like every day it's like do I contact them and are they thinking about me and are they going out with someone like it's just those thoughts in my mind all the time Um, oh it's the worst it is the worst and again it's one of those things where when when you do come out of a relationship you start to think is it me is it something I did was it how I looked maybe he got tired of how I looked or was it something about me and I had all of these my confidence became very low and I thought maybe you know I have to change how I looked or Mm. or something like that and my friends would just be like no it's got nothing to do with you it's all about him and his issues and so Mm. it took a while to come out of that hole as well in terms of you know the low self-esteem and then I had to really sit down and look at the situation objectively and say you know what I did the best that I could do in the relationship even you know the other that that he said that I was the best girlfriend he'd ever had so a bit of a dickhead but oh they need to stop saying stuff they need to stop talking they just need to stop that's what they say oh I've never felt like this before blah, 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 blah. and then oh really well why are you exactly that's <laughs> what I don't understand like you can't oh, break up with someone while giving them compliments <laughs> as well because then it just gets really confusing <laughs> but but yeah so you know I had to kind of take what he said at face, face value that I was an amazing person yeah. and that's what I have to keep reminding myself that I was good and you know that I am attractive and that it's not me it's the other person's issues so yeah I think that's the thing that I really had to because it's my first ever relationship as well so I've never sort of been in that breakup sort of thing before yeah so it's I'm still learning yeah of course and um, How, how long were you together two and a half years oh fuck yeah, I, I keep, I keep just saying fuck because yeah. oh you live together yeah oh, I know <laughs> oh shit yeah it's oh. yeah it, it, it's horrible but and, and um, you know what it takes I mean hopefully not but it can take forever I the guy who broke me a few years ago I'm such an idiot he uh, was it January where we were going to have, I could see on Facebook we were both going to a mutual friend's birthday party so I was mm. like well, now I have to text him. Mm. This is like well, a year and a half after he broke me. And uh, so I texted him like, oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, hey. Oh, I hey, remember how you. you doing? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I might be going to Henry's birthday party. I just saw you were coming too. So I just wanted to check if everything was okay. Mm. And he uh, wrote back and said, oh, my God, I can't wait to see you. It's going to be amazing. Just so you know, I'm bringing this girl I'm seeing. Oh. And I wrote back too quickly. Because I was so like, oh shit! So I wrote back and said, "I'm also coming with my boyfriend." <laughs> Did you have a boyfriend? No, I didn't. There's no boyfriend. 
<laughs> and then he went like, oh, okay. And I just, of course, I didn't go. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend. He's I should have just car. like gotten one of the guys there drunk and just be like, look, pretend to be my boyfriend <laughs> for the night. Like, if you do this, I'll, go, I'll get you more drinks. I'll like, please. <laughs> just keep up the facade <laughs> until he leaves. Just bring like a, a big doll. <laughs> like, a, yeah, like a, like a doll or like a, like here he is. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's a bit it's my still. man. <laughs> I just felt like such a klutz because it's like it's years ago, <clears> but <throat> still there were like it happened. It happened in London on a very specific street, and for like a year I couldn't go near that street because oh. it was just like it's just the memories, <sighs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh God, it's devastating. Yeah, that's horrible. That's yeah, that's like with me as well. Like there's a there's a certain game that I would play on my iPhone. There's a yeah like this game I would play and every time I would win one of the levels like he would start doing like a a, a victory dance like oh. even if he was in the kitchen and I was in the living room he would hear the the, the level cleared music and then he would run into the living room and start doing this victory dance and so he did it every time without fail and so now since we break up I can't play that game anymore no. because once the music starts playing I start thinking and then I get really upset yeah. and yeah heartbreak is just horrible I'm just hoping I think I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself though to get over it really quickly but then I don't want to get over it because you know when you kind of feel like that person is the one and but we'll see how it goes I mean it's been what four months now so I think I think we need to know that we have to we can't get over it we can get through it like we yeah. have to go, we have to feel all these stupid feelings and we have to make that drunken phone call or yeah. send that text that we regret and then yeah. we won't get on it. Like all of that, it's, I think it's just part of it. Yeah, well, I, I recently was one of those. I sent a text um, saying, what was it? I did like a really shitty excuse. I was like, oh, I, no. think I was listening one day and I was like, I needed some papers from the flat because I moved out of the flat when we when we mm. separated and I needed like some invoices or something in the flat and so it was literally it was just an excuse just to send him yeah. a text so we hadn't spoken up until then so I sent oh. him a text saying hey how are you da, 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 da. Um, can you please like mail me these invoices they're under the table in the living room whatever and it was very pleasant actually it was very civil it was fine like because the way we broke up was very civil like it was very nice as breakups go like and so we did all of that and he said oh actually I've moved out of the flat and I was just like okay and then I kind of just left it at that which is fine he said that he would look for the documents and I was like okay cool have a good day And then 20 minutes later, I was just looking at my phone and something in me broke. And I was like, I miss my best friend. And then he replied back saying something like, I don't want to rush you. But when you're ready to meet up and have a chat, let me know. and We can do that. To this day, I haven't replied to that text because I'm I'm shitting myself. I'm just like, you know, when you overanalyze something, you're just like, what does he mean he didn't say he missed me back but he wants to meet up what does this mean does he want me back does he not like what's going on and and I've been asking all my friends I I, I screenshot it and I showed everyone and I was like what is your take on this what is your analysis on this and everyone's been giving me different answers so I'm just like that's the most bland that's like a blank screen like that that could mean literally every single thing in the entire universe yeah so I haven't replied back just because I don't know what to say so I'm just like because you know before then I had actually said I we shouldn't talk at all because mm. he, he you know he wanted to be friends yeah fuck off and I was like yeah that's not fair on me because yeah. I love you like yeah it's not gonna work and I know he was devastated by that so it would be really weird if I was the one to contact him to say to meet up after I was the one that said let's not talk even though I do want to talk to him <laughs> Oh, it's just uh, like heartbreak is so complicated. I didn't know it? how complicated it was. Like, yeah. I would always give advice to other people when they were going through stuff, but now yeah. it's happening to me. I'm just like, uh, there's just so many things to like take into consideration and to do, not to do. Do you text him? Do you not? Do you, you know, text his friends? Like, do you f- try and find out like how he's doing via his friends? Will his mm. friends tell? Like, uh, oh my gosh, gosh, it's just and that like. Just the f- I mean, it's not as big of a risk in London, but in Denmark, like Copenhagen, which is fairly small, just that oh, fear yeah. of running into them. That's true. Because there's like two tubes. And oh, gosh. <laughs> just, just run go. into them any day. Yeah. Oh, dear. But like, mine is now quite a while back. And I now know that I could run 
if I saw him I w- and I wasn't prepared, my heart would still leap out mm-hmm. of my throat. But then I think I'd be fine. Yeah. I think I could even like hug him and, oh, how are you? Do you I, think could, so? I think I could meet the new girl. <laughs> I think I could. Oof. I think I could meet her and be okay. Yeah. I might have like a little like, oh, like a little flutter, like a, in your stomach, like a little. Yeah, like, a little. Oh, fuck. Oh. Mm. But then I think, I think I could deal with it now. Yeah. Well, I could. Of course, I could. I could do it now. But it's taken. It takes so long. So how long did it take with you, like in total, to sort of, I guess, get over him or get through it but that's because I made the clever decision of uh, more or less doing a whole comedy show about him so oh I, okay so I spoke about him like every time. single night for like six months oh god it's a very bad idea oh no but then after about six months I realized that, that joke I had about him never worked like never worked that well and then someone someone was very honest with me and told me and I was like oh no oh really so I was like oh, I have to take that bit out of my show mm. and the second I made that decision I felt extremely sad and I was like oh, yeah. I've only had this bit in my show so that I could talk about him yeah. so I would have an excuse to go oh hey by the way you're still in my show just letting you know yeah, yeah. don't need to answer just you know. so I always had an excuse to, call, to uh, text him and then the second I moved him I got over it Okay. Because I was like, oh, I've let go now. Like, I have no more excuses. I've, I have, there's nothing, there's nothing left. This is it. It was the only thing I had was talking about him for 10 minutes every single night. And I was like, oh, I've let go. So I had a little cry. Yeah. And then I've kind of got on with it. But that was a year and a half. A year, a year and, and, half. and a half. Oh my gosh. But that was also with, it happened in, May 9th of May no one's counting yeah. <laughs> 9th of May and uh, and we and after like four months I was like oh hey I'm totally over you so we can like hook up and just have fun mm. no never do that no so like it kind of started again and then I ended it again and he ended it and then it was like this whole it's all up and it down. was never a clean which it should have been it should have been a clean cut and then yeah. it probably would have taken less time less time yeah gosh mm. You'll, oh, you'll, you'll so be difficult. fine. It's what you're saying to the kids. It's it'll be fine. You'll be good. I think that that what scares me is that I don't know how long it will take. Mm. That's the thing. Um, and do you know what? A part of me almost feels like I don't want to get over it because then it's like letting go of of that person, and it's just like okay, because he was my best friend as well. So <laughs> that's another layer that's gone now and my routine has gone and you know you, you kind of get into that phrase or that or that mood where you don't feel like you're going to ever find somebody like them again and I'm currently at that stage where I kind of feel like yeah this is like the best person I've ever known and because we you know our relationship was amazing we was great we never argued we never had any disagreement like it was I can't pinpoint anything negative in it so that oh. makes it even harder to get over because it's like this person was amazing and you know for whatever reasons he had to break it he just felt like it was something he needed to do for his own self and so I'm just like how the hell am I going to get over you now like yeah you can't even so oh that's so frustrating just needing that answer yeah I mean I'm kind of like because I was angry but then I found out that I've been kind of getting a bit of what's the word vindication is that that the word that I want when I found out that his um actually no that might be illegal I might not say it oh oh that's interesting (laughs) okay not let's just say it's to do with (laughs) it's to do with uber (laughs) (laughs) let's just say it's 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 not my um my card details on the uber it's somebody else's that I've been accidentally using for a while accidentally <laughs> accidentally on purpose you know every time I do I'm just like yes <laughs> oh my gosh I cannot put that on there I'm so sad but I get I get if you want to edit that out but I really hope you don't you know I mean you can yeah, you can put it on there I don't think it's legal it's legal is no. it it shouldn't be no I don't think okay. it is I mean he hasn't noticed it's been like four months and he hasn't noticed I mean, and he hasn't texted me to say yeah. are you still using my card yeah. for Uber I'm pretty sure I've run up like 500 pounds <laughs> Like going from like South London to Harrow, like it's on me, guys. Let's let's go to Middlesex today from from Surrey. I it's think on me. I think he owes you that much. That's how I have <laughs> to see it. Five hundred pounds worth, and Uber Eats as well. Up. Like yeah, yeah. 
that's yeah. what I deserve. He gets he gets the he gets the breakup, you get the Uber. I get the Uber and I get the food. That's how I have to split it. Oh, is, yes. it, is it Uber Eats as well? Yeah. Oh, oh all of it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's really come in handy. I hope he never hit no, he won't hear this, but I hope he yeah, I just yeah. Because he hasn't found out. He hasn't well, that makes yeah. me sound like such a terrible person. No, I don't do it. I oh, never God, do it on no. purpose. It's only like no, when I accidentally yeah. When I accidentally forget to switch the card details over yeah. and I see, you know, Uber, £45, I'm like, oh, phew. <laughs> That's fine. He hasn't noticed. He's in one of, he's like, he's one of those people though. He's in a position where he, you know, he makes enough money that he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't notice, look at his, his bills. So yeah, if you don't notice that, notice. then he doesn't need it. He doesn't need nah, it now. No, you're fine. Yeah, it's been four you're months. Fine. I think anyone, even in a court of law, people would be like, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's how I'm seeing it. <laughs> justified so <laughs> so I'm ex- uh, this is the last question that I always ask people okay um, so <clears throat> you're in the delivery room where you've just been born mm-hmm. and you get to hold little Stephanie little tiny baby Stephanie and she's crying because oh the world is terrifying mm-hmm. there's because uh, there's like lights and sounds and she was just in the womb and mm-hmm. everything felt safe and warm and now she's outside and everything's just horrific mm-hmm. and you know that the next, uh, up until the point where you are now, you know, all of those years, you know exactly what's going to happen. And you can't change any of it. Like, you're just back then. You get to say something to little Stephanie that might tear her up. Because mm-hmm. you know she's going to experience a lot of those mm-hmm. loud sounds and a lot of light, but it won't be light and the sounds will mm-hmm. be depression and abuse. And mm-hmm. So you can say something to her to maybe prepare her for mm. what she's about to live through. Mm. What would you say to teeny tiny baby Stephanie? You are worthy and deserving of love. You are beautiful and don't let your spirit be crushed by outside influences whose opinions don't matter. So despite anything that happens, know that you are of worth and you have people around you that will support and love you and that's all you need. Yeah. It's perfect. Anything oh, it's else? So emotional. You? I know. <laughs> it's also because I'm I'm, I'm pretending you to hold. You can do like that, yeah. I'm to hold the little baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's what I would say. Um, again, growing up, I didn't really have positive affirmations from like my family and stuff. Again, coming from an African household, you're not really told that you're beautiful or that you're loved or this like. It's very much based on respect as opposed to love. And so, you know, even when I was getting bullied, my parents would be like, well, maybe you should lose weight or maybe you should do something to stop them from bullying you. So I didn't have those tools to say that you are worthy. I was told to change in order to stop. Mm. So I think, you know, if I was holding myself, I would be like, you don't have to change. You're perfect as you are. And that would have helped a whole lot, a whole, whole lot. Yeah. Perfect. Where can people find you? Uh, so I have a blog um, www.nerdabouttown.com and I'm also on Twitter at nerdabouttown Instagram at nerdabouttown and YouTube nerdabouttown1 the number one (laughs) it's all nerdabouttown amazing thank you so so much for doing this no thank you so much for having me this has been so fun I really enjoyed it such a good time let's do it again another time yeah definitely thank you thank you so much Thank you so much for listening. I love doing this podcast. It's my favorite thing. And I love it when when I meet listeners and you say to me that you can tell that I love it. That's really nice. Like no one's ever said that to me before about anything else I've ever done in my life. Uh, so that's really nice because I get to, there's no middlemen. There's no cooperation. There's like no one decides how I do this. It's all on me. And that's that's thrilling for someone like me who struggles with authority. <laughs> so um, so this is kind of like a corporate co- cooperation Cop, 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 oh fuck English it's not my language um, we're working together on this is what I'm trying to say me and you because uh, I couldn't do, I couldn't do this without your help I couldn't do this without you sharing the podcast without you tweeting about it without you leaving five star reviews on iTunes it all helps in order to build this thing we're building it's really nice and um, one of the ways you're helping is by supporting me on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, where you can choose to donate however much you want per episode. I, th- 
I'm thinking if you can do it per month as well, but I don't think so. I think it's just per episode. And there's like a limit, so I can't suddenly release a million episodes and run away to Cuba. But um, so I release them once a week, so you know that every Wednesday one a new one comes out. And um, so you can decide what you want to give. It could be like a uh, dollar per episode, five dollars per episode, ten dollars per episode. Every time you decide to donate, I get a little email and I get so excited. I jump up and down. I'm, I'm I'm ecstatic about this. It makes me so happy. I feel like we're doing something. I feel like we're sticking it to the man. <laughs> it's a nice thing. I don't have to, you know, get an advert. I don't have to have anyone sell mattresses or anything. It's just me rambling about this thing. And if you give more than $5 per episode, you get a very special opportunity, which is not only to have me butcher your name at the end of every episode when I do a shout-out. It's also... I'll like I will remember your name forever. I will legit remember your name for, because I can like I can see people now like on um on uh, Twitter if someone tweets something and I'm like oh, it's Grace Suter. I've said that name out loud so many times. Or I'm like I met someone um who'd come from Australia and I don't remember whose friend but she said, "Oh yeah, my friend listens to your podcast." And she said the name and I was like oh, I know, I know that person, <laughs> that person, I, maybe it was Grace Suter, I think it was Grace Suter, and I was like, I know that name, I say that out loud all the time, so, uh, yeah, I'll never forget you, is what I'm saying, if you give more than $5 per episode, and you can do that on patreon.com forward slash mopad. Now, let's begin the butchering, <laughs> I want to give a massive, massive, massive thank you to the people uh, without whom I couldn't do this, and th- these people are not named these things but it sounds sort of like this i want to thank kathy daxelbauer robert knowles eve wingrith victoria greer marnie biles phil vapolis olivia hove zoe cumberland josie dashen bengal uh katie hatfield jane young robin cabot james frew helen galliard Ka- karen threthaway russell hughes Ida sugo larsen lucy inger ellingson imogen wilson maddie sill andrea papillon caleb milkwa <laughs> Nesta Guest Sack, <laughs> Jessica Stuhlfire, Meg, Emma Chan, Sylvia Novak, Georgia Brown, Kathy P. Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Rachel Grace Suter, <laughs> there we go, Kat Pillar, Harold Van Dyke, Emmy, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Eikerseth, Cherie Dunphy, and Daniel Reifersheed. None of these names are pronounced that way. Uh, I'm starting to have transcriptions made of every single episode. And the funniest thing was reading <laughs> reading the transcriptions of me saying these names. <laughs> it's so far. It's so far from the real names. And I think that's quite funny. So thank you so much to all of you. Uh, I, you're the best listeners in the world. I want to thank Bailey Leonard for my jingle and for editing this episode. She's, I mean, she's the best. And I want to thank Linda, Linda Brinkhouse for my logo and Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>